We're going to continue to week three of this series, Matters of the Heart. And each week I've been getting, getting medical feedback on how accurate I've been, which has been great. I did share uh, last week, but for those of you who are worried right now, if your heart rhythm on the machine looks like that, that's not good. So apparently... Maybe by next week we could adjust it so it looks really like a healthy heart as a symptom of this whole course that we've been going through. But really, we're, we're, let me recap us if you're joining us for the first time today. Let me just give you a quick little recap before we dive into today's topic. We're uh, coming out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, which is a scripture that says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of its spring or flow the issues of life. And in the NLT, it says it like this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's out of your heart that your life flows. Life is not just what's happening to you. Life is what's flowing through you, and your heart is the center of your life, the Bible's telling us. So just to recap, we know from 1 Thessalonians that this is the, the structure or makeup, I've got some screens for you here, uh, that we are a spirit who has a soul who live in a body. We're a three-part, tripart being made in the image of a tripart, triune God. We are a spirit who has a soul who lives in the body. I want you to say that after me. I am a spirit who has a soul who lives in an awesome body. Come on, somebody. That was your big moment right there. Come on. If you're sitting beside someone with an awesome body, just give me an amen right now. Amen. Oh, a little awkward. Okay. That's how we are. Okay, then the Bible talks about uh, us, our inner man and our outer man. And everyone, you're looking at the outer person. Uh, but the inner, inner person is your spirit and your soul. And not in a, in a generic sense, not male or female. It's just the term, your inner man. Your, so, so what we see of each other is the outer. But what, what the real you and I is the inner man. And that is your spirit and your soul together. There will come a moment for every one of us where we die and the outer man, the physical body, no longer exists. It's, the tent is finished. Our time on earth is done. But the inner man, the spirit and soul will live on and we'll go and we'll give an account to God for our lives. And so here's the interesting thought. Just as it is with the, your physical body, your physical body has a brain. Your physical body has a heart. When you die, there will be a brain left behind. There will be a heart left behind, okay? But that doesn't mean that your heart and mind are, are not existent on your inner man because your inner man is a reflection of your outer man. So your inner man has a mind. It's like the software. Your brain's the hardware, but the, your mind is the software. Your inner man has a heart, and there's a correlation between your physical heart and your inner man's heart. There's a correlation between your inner man's brain and your, and your mind. And so you might have heard of, of people talking about how to renew your mind, and they're talking about neural pathways and the trees and literally brain tracks, and you can track it in your mind. So what's going on in your mind has a physical physical uh, interplay. Okay, so just that, that's the same with your heart. We'll cover that a bit today. The most important, significant moment of transformation of any human being is when we get born again. 
Jesus talks about committing our life to God, being forgiven of our sin, being forgiven of our past. We couldn't measure up to God's standard, so Jesus took our punishment at the cross so that we could measure up, and he would exchange his holiness to us, and we would become right with God, and literally our spirit would be born again. And that's why we, we move to a born-again spirit, made in the image of God, with the DNA of Jesus Christ. It's the most amazing, radical transformation. You might have met some people who go to this church and you're like, oh my gosh, since they've started going to this church, they've changed so much. Something incredible has happened to be- with that person. You go, what is it? Is there something in the coffee at that place? Coffee's good. Is there something in, is it, is it like some magic beans that they wave a wand over you? No, what, the, the, the most amazing transformation happens when we surrender to God and He literally renews us. He, we become regenerated, born again, like Jesus on the inside. And then, does that mean we're perfect? No. That means we've begun a journey of transformation that begins by being born again. We grow spiritually. We, we exercise spiritually. We get in the Word. We pray. We get free from spirit, evil spirits. But then a transformation begins that's in multiple layers simultaneously. And the journey is to become like Jesus. The journey, not externally. I'm not talking about wearing robes, having long hair and a beard, okay? I'm talking about inwardly starting to look like Jesus, all right? And so if we go to the next one, the journey of transformation, it happens spiritually, but then it happens in our heart. And God goes to work on our heart because he doesn't, although I get a brand new spirit, I don't instantly get a brand new heart because the Bible says that he comes to heal up the brokenhearted. So transformation begins in the heart. That's what this series is all about. God also will renew our mind. That's our thoughts to line up with his Bibles. Uh, you might have heard of Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who's an expert. That's, that's her speciality, your mind. Craig Groeschel, an American pastor, has just released a book about the power of the mind and our thoughts. Great to read. But if you just go to work on your mind without working on your heart, well, there's going to be some problems. Because you have to work spirit, heart, mind, and then ultimately a transformation happens in our behavior. Now, I've noticed this as a pastor of 20 years. I've, I've seen some people start to connect with God and want to change their lives and realize that there's some things that are dysfunctional. And so, so if we just try and work on our behavior, oh, I'm just going to try really hard to be a better person, but I don't deal with the problems of my heart, then the issues of my heart will keep dragging me back to the old ways of living and old behavior. So transformation is a multiple stage journey. It's spirit, heart, mind, and behavior, and God will help and work with us in all of those. Okay, are we all right so far? That's the recap. So we're working on the heart. When I began to work on this series with our preaching team, uh, we engaged a young man in our church called Isaac Sanson, who's one of the preaching team here. We'll preach next Sunday night. And Isaac is a scientist studying to be a doctor. So I said, Isaac, rather than me going to Dr. Google, because we know Dr. Google can get you in a lot of trouble. So I talked to Isaac, great young guy in our church. I said, mate, give us a little bit of help here. What's, tell us about the heart. Because just as the brain and the mind are connected, I believe our inner heart and our physical heart are connected. And he said, and he, he, he sent me an email and it just went a little bit like this. He said, your heart is, has got four chambers. 
two on the left, two on the right. Uh, the job of the chambers is to pump blood to our body via our lungs and to oxygenate our body and our cells to keep them healthy. Our heart has an inbuilt electrical system. Uh, which controls the rhythm and the rate of our heartbeats. And that's why if someone has a problem with the electrical system, they can get a pacemaker to, to get the heart going. Now, what's interesting is that that is separate to your brain. Your brain does not tell your heart to beat. Your heart inbuilt has a, its own um, beating capacity internally. I said in the last two weeks, just for us to note, that for years many psychologists believed that our feelings and emotions were a reflection of our mind and our brain. But recent research has physiologically told us that our heart actually communicates more to our brain than the other way around. And our heart sends signals to our brain, which then tells our brain what to do, and it sends messages to our body, reinforcing what the Scripture says, guard your heart, because out of your heart flows the everything, the issues of life come out of your heart. And so it has four chambers, it's got an electrical system, it's got four valves that ensure blood moves in the right direction, via our arteries and he, he summarized it he said it like this our heart is like a house it's got structure heart muscle and anatomical structure it's got rooms and chambers it's got plumbing with valves vessels and arteries just don't let a plumber work on your heart just telling you right now it's got an electrical system a rhythm and a rate and all of that is part of the house now when I read this I, something inside of me jumped for joy because literally two hours before I read this, I was talking to a member of our church and I, and I talked to them about an issue that they were facing and struggling with in their life. And the picture came to me. I said, you've got an issue in your heart and it's like there's a room in your heart that you have not allowed God into. And so that issue is now dysfunctional and it's causing you problems and you need to open the door of that room of your heart and let God in. Two hours later, I read this email and I go, aha, that makes sense. Your heart and my heart is like a house and it has multiple rooms. That makes sense of this issue when Jesus says in Revelation 3 verse 20, behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. If the heart is the center of our life, then Jesus literally wants to come in to the, the house, to the heart that you and I have got to live with us. All right. Today I want to talk about this particular thought is that God wants us to connect with Him and worship Him wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever said to someone or you've said it to yourself, but I just, your heart's not in this. Have you ever said to someone, that was a half-hearted attempt to clean your room, son? Just hypothetically, I might have heard that or might have said that. I didn't fully engage my heart. I don't know if you've ever, uh, ever hung out with a friend or with your spouse and like, I don't feel like I've got your whole heart at this particular moment. Never happened to me, but I'm sure it has happened to some people. Possibly. Okay, anyway, let's just keep, keep moving. Psalms chapter 86 verse 11 and 12 says this, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. 
Psalm 119 verse 10, David the psalmist says this, With my whole heart, everybody say my whole heart, I have sought you, O Lord. Let me not wander from your commandments. The, f- the first of the Ten Commandments is this. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. So that would mean that it's possible to love God or love somebody with part of my heart. That would mean that it's possible that I don't fully engage my whole heart in a relationship or in my connection with God. And I would feel and suggest to you that if I don't engage my whole heart and I'm holding something back, usually subconsciously, not consciously, it's because perhaps there's a room in the house of my heart that is closed off to God or to other people. Now, there could be a, na- a number of reasons that the room's closed off. I don't know if you've been on holidays before and stayed in like a holiday apartment or an Airbnb or someone's house. And usually what happens if it's a holiday apartment, the owners rent it out, but they keep one room and they have a lock on the door. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so you go and, you go and you're, you're in a two-bedroom unit, but it's really a three-bedroom unit and they've locked the door. And if you're anything like me, you're peering through the cracks. What's in this room? I reckon there's some fun stuff in here that they're hiding from me. I reckon there's some footballs. I reckon there's, I reckon there's a Harley Davidson in here. I reckon there's some scooters in here. And they're just the fun police trying to stop me actually trashing their stuff. So they've got a lock on the door. They've got a lock on the door. And they'll let me into all of this, but not that. Maybe you've had some friends come over and it's the first time they've come over. And you know, this is what we used to do when we have little kids come up. Quickly clean up the house, throw all the stuff into that room, slam the door shut, and you're like, hey, welcome to our house. It's always clean and tidy like this. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Don't judge me right now. That's because when we have people over, the rooms that we let them into will be a reflection of the depth of our relationship. When I have someone over for the first time, I'm not like, let's just do a tour of the whole house. Like come into the lounge room, the kitchen, the patio. But then the more we get to know people, we more, the more we let them into the, the ugly rooms. Come on, the room that's not yet renovated, that doesn't line up with the rest of the house. We, we, and so as we let people in, this is why connect groups are so great, because we're starting to let some people into the, the no-go zones of our heart. Now, why do, we, why, why do we not let people or Jesus into every room of our heart. Because he's standing at the door knocking, not just to get into our heart, but to get into every room of our heart. Why, do we, why, why would it be said possibly that we're not worshipping him wholeheartedly because we've got something in reserve? Well, I think there's a number of reasons. I want to talk about two today. Maybe some of the rooms of our heart look a little bit like this photo we're going to put up on the screen right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's just... A little much junk that's been stored up in a room that we don't want visitors, understand, right? I do love how you can still see the TV, though. I just, the, whole, the whole room revolves around the TV. Okay, for those hoarders amongst us, no judgment. This is okay. But if your heart looks like that, then it's understandable that I've locked the door and thrown away the key. So there's, there's a few reasons. I want to suggest to you maybe there are a couple of different rooms that we intentionally don't let Jesus into, consciously or subconsciously. 
The first one is because there's a room of pain. And the second is there's a room of pleasure. I know, we're, quite a, we're getting the oohs and ahs from the peanut gallery here right now. It's awesome. Open up the room of past pain. Now, we all do this. All of us at some point in our life, and I know people in this room have experienced way more pain than I've ever experienced. And if you're here today and you think, I'm the only one who's experienced the level of pain I've experienced, I would suggest that you're in a room of people who have done some house painting and we all look good on the outside. But on the inside, we've all got stuff. We've all got issues. We've all got things that have been painful. It might have been, uh, let me read out of Psalm 89 verse 50. This is David. Have you forgotten, Lord, how your own servants are being slandered? Lord God, it seems like I'm carrying in my heart all the pain and abuse of many people. This is David getting real with God. I want to be wholehearted. I want to not have a divided heart, but I've got pain that I'm carrying because in this instance, people have, have abused me. People have slandered me. People have said stuff about me. And it, initially it bounced off, but eventually it got into my heart. The pain that we can experience can be the pain of disappointment, the pain of unfulfilled expectation. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I was really hoping that that would have happened, but it hasn't. And now disappointment is poisoning my heart. The pain of loss and grief, the pain of rejection, the pain of being abandoned by someone who should have loved me, the pain of being abused, the pain of insults, the pain that comes from traumatic events, the pain of sickness, the pain of loneliness, the pain of humiliation, the pain of shame. Shame is where things have happened to us that we don't want anybody else to know about. So we just shut the room of that, heart, that door to that heart and close it and we throw away the key. A phrase I've used over the last uh, probably 12 months is this, is that you're only as sick as your secrets. And the secrets that we carry are the things that we keep locked away in, in a room in our heart. And usually the reason it's locked away is because it's actually painful to open the door. And something will happen. Somebody will say something. I'll see something on a movie. Uh, there'll be a circumstance that, that, that just happens a particular way. And it touches on that pain in my heart. And I find myself triggered, reacting in a way that doesn't seem proportionate to the incident that's just happened. But that's because the pain is not from the incident that just happened. It's not from the words that they just said. It's because there's a pain room in my heart that hasn't been dealt with. And I've got to let Jesus in. Last Sunday night, our location pastor, Josh, uh, spoke so beautifully about how God has taken him on a journey of healing his heart. Uh, he, he told us that for him, he had a, a, almost a PhD in suppression. That's what we do when we have pain. We suppress it. We, we believe the lie that if I can push it down enough, it's not going to hurt me anymore. And so, and, and we say things like this, especially guys to one another. Uh, when something painful happens, we'll just go, toughen up, princess. We'll go, come on, soldier on. You'll be all right. Uh, things like, one of my favorites is this, uh, take a cup of cement and harden up. 
That's why some of us have heard that or said that. Okay, don't get me wrong. Resilience is important. The ability to get through tough seasons in life is important. But not at the expense of processing pain in a godly, healthy way. A godly, healthy way. Sometimes even faith can be a Christian's way of suppressing pain. I'm just going to faith my way through this and ignore the feelings of pain. But that's not how David, who had a heart after God, processed his pain. He wrote it all out there for all of us to see. He got it out so that it didn't poison him. And Josh told us last Sunday night how as a young man at the age of uh, two or three, his dad left him. There was a lot of violence in, around his home and family. And just, it, you know, caused him the, the feelings of abandonment and rejection and pain. And of course, he didn't know what was going on. He just knew that as a young teenager, that he'd rock up to school angry, looking to punch someone out because there was anger in his heart thinking it's normal. He didn't realize that that was because of the, the room and the rooms of pain that were locked in his heart. He's just acting out of the pain. He didn't realize what, why he couldn't trust people. And then when he comes to church and connects with God and things begin to change, he's still got trust issues. Not he still does now. He still had now, then. And he told us the story, maybe a little bit. He told us the story of being able to ultimately learn to trust people because if someone let me down who shouldn't have let me down and I store that pain in my heart, then I use that as the filter which I see everybody else through and ultimately I see God through. How can I trust God if I've got a room of pain that's undealt with? So it takes courage for you and I to, to open the door. Because when we open the door, more often than not, it's more painful to begin the journey of healing than it is to suppress it. Suppressing just means that that flows out into every part of my everyday life. So the journey to face your pain takes courage. This is your heart work. Every week we're giving heart work. When the Holy Spirit lives in our heart, He can come and say, you know, that, that experience, uh, let me in there. And you're like, no. God, it smells in that room. No, God, that was painful in that room. No, God, I don't want to go. He goes, no, let me in because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal you. I'm going to get that rubbish out of there. I'm going to give you a new perspective about that. I'm going to take the pain away from you. That's the, the, the intention of God. It takes courage. We, we run a, a course here every six or seven weeks called Freedom Experience, and it's specifically designed for heart work. It's specifically designed to create an atmosphere where we can release the pain of trauma and things that have happened to us. And for many people, that might then step into seeing professionals and talking. But I want to tell you today, if you know that the door of your heart's closed to areas of pain in your past, then the only way to get free is to face it head on to let God in and to let someone who's trustworthy in to help you process it. That's, that's some hard work for someone. If you want to do the Freedom Experience, it's next Saturday. You can register on our website to be part of that for a few hours in the morning. I, I just highly recommend it's going to be a, a, a beginning of a powerful journey. That's the, that's the pain room. What about the pleasure room? The pleasure room. This is, this is the room that we've got some things going on that we 
and there's two components to this room. This is a little bit like the castle. We know the castle, and it's get, get, gets given a, 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 something he values, and he goes, this one's going straight to the pool room. All right, th- that's the pleasure room. The pleasure room, it's got a mantelpiece, and it's got trophies. And when you become a Christian, or maybe you've been a Christian for a while, maybe there's some things that you're doing that you know you just don't want Jesus checking that room out. You can be at, Jesus, welcome to my life. You can be in the lounge room. You can be in the kitchen. You can be at the patio, but you're not going into that room. Because that room and you probably don't really belong in the one house. And now my heart's divided. It might be a sexual room. And there's stuff I'm going on. And at the moment, it's a lot of fun. I don't want let Jesus anywhere near that. Because he's going to destroy my fun. But actually, no, he's going to set you free to live a life the way he intended that will have way more joy and long-term benefits than short-term pleasure. Maybe it's the money room. You're like, oh, but I'm claiming five different parenting payments from Centrelink with different emails. Come on, I've got three identities and I'm getting all these payments going on. I'm not declaring this, this money over here. I'm not giving money to God. So Jesus, welcome to my house. You're making me feel better, but don't go into that room. It's just my room. It's just my room. It's where I do my stuff. And Jesus is like, no, no, I want to be Lord of all. So there might be a room that you need to go, oh, okay. I'm going to surrender. I'm opening the door. Won't he reject me? He already knows about it. He just wants to get in there and clean it up. Or maybe, maybe it's a trophy room. It's your pool room. And you've got a mantelpiece in the room. And if Jesus was to walk in, and if I was to walk into this room in your heart to look at the mantelpiece, what I should see would be Jesus. Photo of Jesus on your mantelpiece. He's number one. Open Bible. Photo of your connect group. Come on. These these are people. This is a a reflection of the joy in your life. Now, there might be in that room, not on the main mantelpiece, but there might be some other things that you enjoy that bring joy to your heart. Awesome. You love love your sport. You love your your singing. You love your music. You enjoy your business. You like your career. All good things. Got some great hobbies. But if I was to come into your room and on the middle of your mantelpiece... Jesus had been displaced, and there's a photo of your hobby, and a good thing. There was a photo of your career. There was a photo of your, your music aspirations. And if that became center, that would be what the Bible calls an idol, because it's now displaced Jesus. The Bible talks about being wholehearted in worship and the kings who were wholehearted. The kings who were wholehearted made sure that there was nothing else on the high places where, God, where something else could be worshipped. Good things. Uh, we've got Sienna here, uh, down here in the second row. And Sienna, when she got saved, was an influencer on Instagram. 25,000 followers. Uh, she was into bodybuilding, fitness, and just kind of had built a profile for herself. And 
as she's told us in her own stories, but on the inside that she was broken, she was striving to project an image to make her feel good about herself, but, but she had this going on. So she becomes a Christian. And I remember watching the, the dance that Sienna had in her trophy room. Wants to make Jesus number one. But this whole influencer thing, that's a lot of people. 25,000 people. Every word you say, everything you post, they're hanging on it. And Jesus just begins to do a little work into that. I don't know how long it took for him to get into that room. But he gets into that room and goes, Sienna, I think this is more important to you than it should be. Because you're a new creation. And I just, I would like you to kind of lay that down. Might be for a season, might be forever. But because I want to be number one on the mantelpiece in the trophy room of your heart. I know a pastor and she did that to her credit. It's on this amazing transformation journey of influencing people for Jesus, not for her own glory. It's awesome. I know a pastor who said for a year, I'm not buying any new clothes because I'm so obsessed with fashion and looking great that I just need to take that off the, tr- the, off the shelf and put God first. It wasn't me. I know some of you are thinking you're pretty fashionable, Pastor John. <laughs> what is it? Now, religion, religion will take everything out of the joy of your heart and go, oh, that's all bad. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what's become an unhealthy obsession. What's become a number one focus? Sometimes a person's marriage can become an unhealthy obsession. Family can become an unhealthy obsession because everything else needs to come after it. But Jesus said, I, there can only be number one. I want to be number one. I want to be worshipped. I want to be first. I want an undivided whole heart. Can we close our eyes right now? I want to ask you, if you're here, and you know God is knocking on a room in your heart. Maybe He lives already in your heart, but a room, particularly a room of pain. And you'd like the healing power of God to flow into your heart. You'd like God to remove the pain so it no longer triggers you, so you no longer react so you no longer have to suppress and you're willing to let the Spirit of God come in and bring healing. In a moment, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand. You might already be on the journey of healing. You might already be seeing a counselor. You might already be seeing a psychologist. You might already be dealing with a pastor. And that's awesome. If you are, I'm going to get you to stand because I'm going to pray for you. But maybe there is some secret stuff in your heart that you need to get right with God. Get the shame out. Get the pain out. If that's you, I want you to stand right now because we're going to pray together. Just stand. If you know, yep, God, there's some pain in my heart that I need to get out. Just stand up. Have courage. Just stand up saying, I'm getting pain out. I'm working on pain. I'm letting God in. Maybe, maybe this is the moment for you to say, well, I'm going to go to that freedom experience and I'm going to lean into this journey of healing. Just stand up wherever you are. The pain of disappointment. The pain of rejection. The pain of unfulfilled expectations, whatever the pain is. Father, I just thank you right now for your love, 
for your presence, for your power that's here. Jesus, you are the healer of the brokenhearted. So come and heal our broken hearts. Come and heal our broken hearts. Come and heal our broken hearts. Where there's pain that's locked up. Pour your love in and set us free. I'm asking in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. You can grab your seat, guys. God bless you.